Hello, I'm Tara Ruckman. And I'm Stephanie Howe, and we are Control the Chaos EDU. Are you burnt out? Are you feeling frustrated or overwhelmed? Or maybe it's the opposite, and you're a go-getter and want to level up. Then it's time to dive in with real talk and solution-focused conversations. Welcome to today's Control the Chaos conversation. We're going to be talking about feedback in this part two episode and kind of looking at the long-term view of when it happens when giving feedback. And I know for me, when um, I was kind of first starting with giving feedback, I was really bad at it. I would just be like, great job, or this is awesome, or way to go, or hey, this wasn't your best work. And that was not helpful when I was telling my students Um, how to improve. Um, Also, I was just kind of giving them a grade and no really great feedback to help them along the way. And it wasn't until I started um, doing some consulting work with Modern Classrooms. So if you haven't heard of Modern Classrooms Project, it's an amazing organization. Um, And they do a lot of different like flipped learning. So it's kind of like the students watch a video and then they complete all these different activities. And when I first started mentoring for them, they gave me this like helpful document on how to give feedback. And I've never in my entire educational career, I mean, I've been an educator for almost nine, almost 10 years. um, I was never given this like paper on just like how to give feedback. And when I was looking over this document, I was like, oh my God, I've been giving feedback wrong for like eight years because I started that um, two years ago. And I couldn't believe it. And it helped improve my coaching. It helped improve when working with students. And it helped in all of these different areas. But it wasn't until they walked me through what feedback looks like. And they provided examples and non-examples. They even would go into my different like submissions that I would provide my mentees and tell me, hey, add this word or add this verb or add this to help um, make this feedback stronger. And so because I was being coached on how to give feedback, I felt like more confident compared to when um, I was just kind of like, hey, great job. Um, And I felt like people were starting to be seen because they really showed that when you're giving feedback, you need to point out, hey, leave a timestamp so they know exactly what you're talking about. When you're talking about their video, maybe it's two minutes and 30 seconds you see this, or I think this part, or you should speed that up a little bit um, at this moment in time. And so when I was kind of thinking back about feedback and how for about eight or seven years, I was giving it very, very poorly um, and how just that helpful document that they had made me give feedback a lot better. And then having somebody like come into those um, journals and telling me, hey, this is how you could even make it even better, or this is really good. And having that kind of follow-up piece um, really helped. And so when I'm starting with um, teachers in a coaching cycle, and we're kind of focusing on how are we going to grade this, or how are we going to give students feedback? um, Feedback is important because it allows students to grow and show what they know. So oftentimes teachers will already have a rubric 
or like an expectation on what is expected. That part's really easy. Um, and I think sometimes we'll just circle on the rubric and we think that's good enough feedback, but we have to sometimes personalize it even more based on that rubric. And so what I've kind of learned is sometimes I will take that rubric and I've taken it to where, okay, if a student does excellent on this part of the rubric, this is maybe an example comment that we could say. If they need some support, here is some examples of what they could do. Um, and so like just kind of creating a template of like a bank of comments of just different ways that students can improve or they've done a great job and using the terms in the rubric have really helped when um, we're looking at different feedback. And also when I'm getting better results from students, um, we're going back to um, learner clarity with John Hattie. If you provide those success criteria, what do we expect from the students? <clears throat> and if we list those out, we're gonna get better results in their products. I mean, I was just doing a Canva activity with a classroom and we just made like a bulleted list of what they should include. Geography, about um, Egypt, maybe they needed to have some um, special like artifacts about the pharaohs, all of these different things. And it was just a bullet pointed list. However, when I made a checklist and I said exactly kind of the success criteria of each of those different areas, the products were even better. Um, so when you do provide success criteria, when you provide feedback that is very detailed and says in this project, or you're able to comment right by where the student needs to improve, you're gonna see that student's learning improves and goes up. Um, so today's episode, we're gonna be talking about feedback and how we kind of close that feedback gap, that long-term view, and then some roadblocks that we might encounter along the way. Yeah, and to add on to what Stephanie said, when we take feedback a little bit step a step further, um, and we're talking about content feedback, now I'm going to go on the flip side of that and talk about behavioral feedback, because behavioral feedback is just as important as our content feedback, and they kind of go hand in hand. Feedback for behavior is a really key component to the management of behavior and responsibility. So thinking about um, positive behavior and how you probably give that feedback and just like stuff and more specific with your timestamps, it's the same with positive feedback for behavior. You give that labeled praise and you tell them exactly like instead of saying good job, but it would be good job making the effort to stay in your space and be organized um, and exactly tell them how to be organized. And thinking about the way you give that feedback and the way you give it needs to be what the desire, praising that desired behavior instead of that undesired behavior. So as you're hand in hand doing the content, you can also throw those behavioral feedback pieces into place as well. And just a couple things that we think about when we are providing that feedback and whether it's um, to improve learning or to manage behaviors, we always want to make sure that it's timely. So that would be one of our tips is 
that it, it is in the right time and the right space and that it's balanced. We want to make sure that we have the balance between positive and constructive feedback. Because if we are looking at a document and everything that we point out on the document is something that we have to fix, um, and then everything we point out about the student's behavior is something that they have to fix, um, it, it's going to be really a struggle for a student to continue to learn from that and take it in. So we want to make sure that that's balanced, that it's clearly linked, as Stephanie said, to the that rubric. Um, the same as it is linked to the rubric on the behavior piece of it, we want to clearly link it to our goals and what performance we're wanting to see. So you have the rubric on one end, and maybe now we have a classroom set of rules or a set of standing op standing operating procedures in the classroom, but it's, it's linked to then those rules or those performance standards. Um, it's thoughtfully prepared, and we follow up appropriately. So all of those things that Stephanie was mentioning about the content, we also go to the behavior side of it, and I'll give you that piece, and we'll kind of feed off of each other, is that in that same manner for your management of student behavior, all of these things apply in the same way for behavioral feedback. So we can kind of um, go back and forth that long-term view of how are we going to improve learning and how are we also going to take that and manage our classroom in a better way or, or a student that may have some significant behaviors that we need to provide feedback to. So we're going to be TikToking um, back and forth in between those two things. Um, because we all know that behavior then improves learning, right? So the two things feed off of each other as we're talking about feedback today. Yeah, so I just wanna kind of walk through maybe what does a conference look like? So for maybe um, academics, it might be like a writing conference where behavior it might be kind of that reflection time where you're giving feedback um, to a student. And so when I am structuring maybe like a writing conference, the first thing is that research stage maybe, where I might be looking over prior knowledge that the student has and just kind of thinking about um, different questions that I might be able to ask that student. Maybe I'm just asking them, okay, what have you tried today? Or what might be the best part of your writing today? And just kind of, again, just kind of looking over First, just kind of asking them a question about maybe that prior knowledge to make that connection. Then I might go into the compliment where I might look for something that they did really well. Um, so I might kind of say like this strategy is helping you get better at dot, 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 dot. Um, but I might be kind of just, again, kind of looking for a compliment that this student has done in their writing that has gone over and above. And then you want to look for maybe that teaching point. So this is where you're giving them some improvement feedback. And I might want to tell the student, like, I see that you're trying to get this, um, but you're struggling right here or giving them exactly where and provide an example can really help that student see where they might be lacking in their piece of work. Um, so we could use something like, let's try this or we could, and using that language of like, let's and we, 
makes it seem like it's a team and they're not doing it alone. And then you kind of want to coach them and you kind of want to now kind of say, now try this. You always want the students to have something that they can walk away with in order to try. So looking at that long-term view of feedback, how are we able to help that student take the feedback that we've given them and maybe they watch a video, maybe they do an activity, maybe they do some more practice. What is that long-term effect based on where they're struggling and how are they going to build those skills? And based on maybe what you learn from your student or your students during different conferences, What is your goal to help with that instructional planning? Like, are you going to uh, start doing maybe some spiral review where every single morning you're working on that certain skill that a lot of students have misconceptions about? Are you going to make some connections? Are you going to maybe take a couple steps backwards? So that way where those gaps are, you're able to close them. Or maybe your goal is during... Um, intervention time where you can meet that group of students or that student and review that topic with them. Um, So there's a lot of different ideas that you can kind of do there to meet the students where they are. Also, like some teachers have like different help cards where they already know that these are going to be the misconceptions and the students have like a help area that they can grab these cards, scan QR codes, watch a video or do different activities Um, to really improve on whatever they're missing. And then I think it's important that when you come back to meet with the student to review their work or review the practice that they've been trying to do to improve on that weakness, that you mention and you kind of say back to them um, what great job they've done on that. And you kind of celebrate. I think oftentimes when students improve or master a skill that they've been working on sometimes we're like okay next thing but we really do need to celebrate and really point out to the student that hey i've noticed that you have done dot 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 and you have done a great job on that and i think before the student leaves that conference it's really important to link it's like nice to reflect um just real quickly to make sure that the student heard you it's kind of that active listening For them to kind of maybe say back to you what they learned during that writing conference or during that whatever conference you're kind of going over with that student and ask them maybe what is their plan. So based on what they hear you say, are they able to make those connections or were they completely not listening or were they completely mishearing you? (laughs) Um, But having that link just to make sure we're both on the same page can really help as well, too. Uh, when you have a writing conference. Yeah, and it, it kind of goes all of that. I just want to say ditto. All of that can be used when you are structuring a, a feedback conversation about behavior as well. So take that and integrate, as you're doing that writing conference, integrate behavior within that conversation as well um, so that you don't have to have two separate conversations. You could be talking about the work and the behavior together. Um, Or if you're doing it on your own, on its own, they could be standalone as well, but you could kill two birds with one stone, of course. But thinking about um, when you are having that conversation, the effect, share what the effect um, when you are integrating that behavior, 
that you see that the behavior is having on on the students uh, ability to meet their long-term goals or their progress or their pro- productivity. So if you're thinking about a student that's doing really well, I mean, your feedback in that writing conference might be that's, uh, I love your effort. You are moving right along p- pace with the classroom because your effort has been so great. Um, so providing that specific feedback about effort so that way that student knows that their productivity is right along pace with everybody else's or where they need to be. Or it might be I, you know, and you sandwich in that constructive feedback. I see that you're working hard and I love that you're working hard, but you have been a little bit off task and having students that have been distracting you a little bit from your work And then you invite them to reflect on that a little bit. And then you start to talk about, well, maybe these are some of the things that we could do to help reduce those distractions. So that way we can get back on track for what we're doing with our writing. And then making sure as you know, you provide that coaching, all of the same things that you did with the writing, but we're looking at the behavior piece of it now. And then we invite them at the end, I think is really important when I'm having my my structured conversations and feedback with students that I'm giving them that like last piece to ask questions. Questions to me are really important. So when I've had um, feedback conversations, whether it's academic or behavior, um, I usually end with some questions, inviting them to be able to ask individualized questions, maybe share their concerns or talk about something that they don't understand if it was constructive feedback, but always ending, you know, thanking them for sharing as well. So once they have shared how they're feeling about that feedback, whether it's constructive or positive, again, we go back to having that balance, but really and like thank you, you know, thanking them for being a part of those conversations and and adding some value. One thing that I like to do when I'm providing um, some feedback as well is I think about a feedback checklist. I kind of go down the feedback checklist. Have I provided it frequently? Um, Have I planned and prepared feedback conversations? Did I link the feedback to the goals and the focus on what the performance was. So whether it's writing or behavior, did I, in my conversation, did I link it to the goals and the focus? Did I discuss the results of the tasks and the outcomes? Um, Did I uh, specify what needs to be done and then really kind of coach through how it's getting done? And did I remember that I needed to make this feedback individual to that student? Because sometimes we could be looking at a writing piece or we could be looking at behavior overall based on on the rules or the rubric of the class. But did I individualize my feedback to that student? 
right? Because we all know that all of our students are on a different level. So is this an EL student? Is this a student that has low cognitive abilities? Is this a student that is gifted and has um, higher cognitive abilities? What, how did I individualize that feedback, particularly for that student? So I kind of go through that feedback checklist, just run it through my brain. So I've structured that feedback conversation. And now I go through this feedback checklist in my own head, or you can, uh, it doesn't even have to be in your own head. Like you could have that feedback checklist sitting with you, but when you're conferencing with that student to make sure that you are make, are hitting as a teacher, all of those important notes of what that feedback looks like. So a feedback checklist is great. Like we think about making checklists and task lists for our students, but how about making that feedback checklist for us as an adult so that when we're conferencing with those students, we go down and we hit all of those fine points. So that is one thing that has always helped me looking at the long-term view is, um, when I have those conferences, I go through that checklist and then it becomes habit because now you're having these structured conversations. And once you've done it a few times, it really becomes natural for you to, to go through this checklist. And then we start to see how this really deepens the learning of students when we are providing this structured feedback in this way. Um, and it could maybe we have two two ways maybe we have a a writing feedback and maybe we have this verbal conference um checklist as well but those are really um important concepts as we start to provide that feedback to students yeah and i definitely agree having a checklist just makes it a lot easier to make sure you're staying focused on what the behavior goal is or the curriculum or the learning outcome. Um, it allows you again to stay focused on what you're looking for rather than kind of like, oh, I don't even know. So create that checklist of what is the expectation before students even get started and share it with them. Because once they know that expectation, it can really help as well. Um, and I think too, one thing that you're able to do is ask students what they did, have them explain their work to you. So using um, a conference and having the students come up and they're able to share what they did and why they might have done that. Another thing is have them revise right sitting with you. So maybe you are walking them through or you're modeling your thinking out loud and you can kind of test to see do students really learn from that feedback um, or are they still making those same errors? And so again, providing that resource for students um, can help them kind of think through what are they kind of looking at and maybe what resources do I need to still provide them um, when I'm going through that. And a lot of times for me, I talked about this earlier, but is using that spiral review really did help when I was just trying to explain to students um, errors that kept popping up. I was able to kind of take those errors and really provide students with the support that they needed through that spiral review that we did as bell work. And so kind of recapping real quick, we want to evaluate the feedback. And so we wanna be descriptive. We wanna make sure that we're timely. 
we want to make sure that we give the right amount of information and we want to compare it to a checklist or some type of success criteria. Also, is it, you know, focus on the work or is it something completely out of the work? And that's where that checklist or criteria will help you. And then we want students to also kind of think, what did they learn from it? Reflect on that and kind of think about what did I learn as a teacher from it and what did my students learn? And then thinking of, did students take those steps that we kind of suggested or the plan that we created? And was the student learning improved? And so asking those different questions can really help you when you're reflecting on feedback and what next steps you need to go. Um, and now we're going to kind of talk about different roadblocks that can occur. And I've seen sometimes students look overwhelmed because sometimes we give them too much feedback. Um, and that can be really overwhelming. We want students to do all of these different things and then we wonder why they shut down. And it's a lot, it's a lot for me to take in if somebody's trying to um, talk about maybe a presentation I did and they're giving me all this negative or improvement type of feedback. I just want to know one thing that I can do to improve. And that one little thing is going to make a huge impact um, later on. And this is true with behavior. I mean, there was times where Tara's voice comes in my head when I'm working with my son, AJ, of Stephanie, focus on one thing. <laughs> do not try to potty train him right now and try to get him to do this, this, and this, and this. Just do one thing. And that's really helped hearing her voice in the back of my head because focusing on that one thing that I can do better is very less overwhelming. And I've just kind of used that in a lot of different areas in my life. And so again, that roadblock of giving too much feedback, focus on one thing. What's one thing that the student can improve on? And then once they improve on it, celebrate it and then focus on the next thing. Yeah, I think that is really important when we're talking about roadblocks. I think one of the roadblocks that I would talk about is knowing, and I know we we didn't really touch on this too much, but there's two important concepts of feedback, the complex work and the basic skills work. Knowing which feedback we need to provide could be a roadblock. Um, do we need to look at the students individually and do we need to provide more feedback on the complex work where we've built in these opportunities for revision um, and ask them to explain what they did and why they did um, and allow them to, to learn in a more complex way? Or do we need to go to the basic skills and revise and, and correct the errors? So that could be a roadblock as well when we're thinking about, is it the complex type of feedback that we need to provide, or do we need to go back to the basic skills for this student? So looking at, do they have, you know, do they have the basic skills um, that they have built so, so we can move into the more complex feedback, or do we need to really go back to square A and provide that basic? So this is looking at the student individually 
And sometimes that's difficult to do. That can definitely be a roadblock for educators because we we want to like we want to keep everybody at the same, you know, we want to keep everybody up to pace, right? But sometimes the the feedback we might need to provide is more on the basic level for students because they don't have that foundation yet where you know, another student might be much more complex. So knowing when to to use a basic skill feedback and a pump complex skill feedback can definitely be a roadblock um, because we get into these conferences with students and we think, you know, like this five paragraph essay, we're providing the same type of feedback to most of our students based on what we're correcting or or what kind of content they're providing. But maybe for one student, it might not be that complex of the why and having them explain why they wrote it or what they did throughout the writing. Maybe it's more we we're talking about grammar mistakes and basic skills that are within the writing. So kind of that balance. So that can be a roadblock for students. And Stephanie, do you have any really good ways to kind of overcome that roadblock of knowing when to provide complex feedback and when to think about when we should go back to those basic skills? I think it's knowing your students um, and kind of looking over their data. And I like to keep a spreadsheet. Um, now, this is just my workflow because I want to have a spreadsheet of every single student's name. I put like their goal that I talked with them about based on maybe their latest writing. And I know we're using writing just because I like to use writing because it's so differentiated. Um, every student is working on maybe a different skill, but it could be anything. And so I might write whatever topic that student is working on and then um Based on that, on my spreadsheet, I'll have like a check-in, check-in two, check-in three, check-in four. And then I can have a drop-down menu or I can add notes off to the side of what we maybe talked about. And so based on all of that kind of quick view data of my notes, um, I can then decide where to go with that student. Um, it's really hard at the beginning of the year because I'm just getting to know my students. So I might use a lot more basic um, because we're kind of reviewing a lot more. But then as I get to know my students, as I get multiple different data points about them, I'm really able to start to move that feedback to more personalization and what they need. Um, but I think it's through my spreadsheet, because if I don't have my spreadsheet, then I'm like, who did I check in with so far? And that can also be a roadblock, I think, is some of our teachers have 150 students, right? Or however many um, class sizes of 30. And so what I would suggest there is pick um, three students a day. Um, and then over the next two weeks, hopefully you get to every single student, but don't try to get to every student um, all at once. Spread it out for your own sanity. I mean, there are days where I might conference with students all day and the other students are working on independent work or maybe some type of station rotation activity and set a timer. Um, I think when you focus on one type of feedback and you set that timer, you're really able to focus on the conversation and it doesn't need to be 30 minutes. 
Um, I should maybe be like five minutes. And that timer for myself has really helped just to make sure that I'm focused um, on what's expected. Sometimes I'll even have like a paper printout of what I want to talk with the student for. So I'm prepared a little bit. Um, but as you get better at conferencing and as this becomes more natural, you won't need all of those different scaffolds either. Um, but at the beginning, I really, I mean, it did take me a lot more time than it does now to give feedback because it wasn't natural to me. Um, it, it was a skill that I had to learn and it was a skill that I needed a bunch of scaffolds for, such as like my spreadsheets, such as my papers that listed out. I mean, I'm not even kidding. I had listed out on my conference sheet, one minute, talk about something good they did. Two minutes, talk about their improvement and what they can do and next steps on what I expect them to do with it. Three minutes in, this is what I need to be doing. And like, I, I really did list it out because that's what I needed. Um, and you've got to figure out what you need because again, feedback was not natural to me and it was a skill that I had to learn. But now that I've been practicing it for about two years, the correct way, um, I don't need all those scaffolds. I'm able to just call up students and quickly have a checklist and go over it with them. And the conference is done in five minutes, maybe three minutes now, where before, I mean, I was, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. Like, I want to talk to this kid for 30 minutes. But you ha I had to cut myself off until I became more natural at giving feedback. You're so good at feedback, too. And sometimes you don't even realize that you're doing it. Like, sometimes we're just naturally providing feedback and we don't even realize it because we're kind of thinking, at, thinking it out loud. Um, so that is so... There's so much behind feedback, and we probably could do about 10 episodes on feedback, but we won't. We'll stop at two and finish up with the long-term view of feedback. And if you have any questions, please reach out to us because we love talking about feedback, ways to give it behaviorally, ways to give it content-wise, ways to use it to help manage your classroom. And this week, your call of action is pick one way to give feedback this week. Or if you're on spring break, you know, wait till next week. But find one way to give feedback in a new way that you haven't given it before. And maybe check one thing off a feedback checklist. And as always, like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. And until next time, control the chaos. Thanks for listening to Control the Chaos EDU. Check out the description for show notes. We look forward to connecting with you on social media. Subscribe to the weekly podcast so you never miss an episode. Control the chaos until next time.